I'll tell you something I found in the big book right quick, too. Uh, I've said this for a long time. I said, you can take you two highlighters. Take a green highlighter and a pink highlighter. And everywhere you find in the big book where it mentions anything about helping yourself, highlight it with green. There's not very many, I can tell you that. Then take a pink highlighter and go through there and highlight anywhere where it indicates, talks about, or implies helping anyone other than yourself. You'll have a lot less pink ink when you get through. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride, take what you want, and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Buenos dias, or buenas noches, to my amigos and my amigas from Studio AA Deep in the heart of Texas, that was my friend, Mr. Ricky R., that you heard at the beginning of this here episode. And you are going to hear much more from him on this here episode number 287 of Sober Speak. I can hardly believe it. We have 287 episodes. But first things first, this here episode is brought to you by Kirsten and Kate and David. What you may ask a Kirsten and Kate and David do, well, they went to our little website that the lovely Mrs. M keeps up there and maintains, and they clicked on the little yellow donate tab, and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Kirsten and Kate and David. This here episode is coming right out to youans. If... You are not part of our super secret Facebook group and you would like to be with the in crowd. Go ahead to Facebook and search up secret, sorry, sober speak secret group. Ask for admission into the group and we will get you all set up. All right, we're going to get right into Mr. Ricky R. today. This episode we're titled, well, first of all, let me say this. Last week we did Ricky R.'s How to Take Someone Through the Steps Part 1, and then we scheduled some more time with Ricky R. to record How to Take Someone Through the Steps Part 2. And just in case you missed last week, well, number one, you can go back and listen to that at 
at your leisure. Uh, so this one's what, 287, did I say? Yeah, yeah. So that would be episode number 286. And Ricky R has been sober for 32 years and he hails to the world from Jacksonville, Texas. And uh, this is some of the basic info we covered last week. But just as a repeat, Ricky wrote an article which is on the Sober Speak website. And he does workshops on how to take people through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, we have the blog on our website and we also have some information. So let me, let me just slow down here a little bit. I'm going to tell you what the episode's about, and then I'll tell you where to find the workshop after this. But you can find the blog on our website. If you go to SoberSpeak.com, click on blog. And I think Ricky's is actually the first blog written. There. I just like saying the word blog. Nonetheless, I think that is the first blog listed there, and it's called How to Take Someone Through the Steps. And I'll put the link to the blog inside the show notes here. But in this episode, part two, Ricky's going to talk about some of the more technical aspects of what to do and say to someone when taking them through the the steps. Uh, It's kind of the meat of what uh, Ricky does. Uh, He talks about the alcoholic allergy, step one, the mental obsession of the alcoholic, also step one, the unmanageability in step one. And then he kind of covers a a thumbnail sketch of steps two through 12. As you can see, we cover a lot of ground in this episode and Ricky is going to have a workshop uh, yeah, it, it is a workshop and it's on April 22nd. And if you want the information to that workshop, go to our website, click on the resources tab at the top, and it'll tell you both how to attend in person where Ricky lives in Jacksonville, Texas, and it will tell you how to uh, attend via Zoom, the Zoom ID, passwords, uh, and uh, what do you, yeah, 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 the ID and the password, I'm sorry. And so all of that information is there. Once again, go to www.soberspeak.com and click on the resources tab and all of that information will be there for you to attend the workshop on April 22nd, which is a Saturday. And if you forget all that, just email me at john, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and I'll get you in touch with Ricky or just send you the information myself. But anyway, all that's coming up. Because of some travel plans that I have, uh, we are not going to do any... um, uh, listener feedback today, so we will not have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this, but we will eventually catch up. That's how it always works. I'll probably have twice as much to do next week, but I always love hearing from the listeners. And just in case you're wondering what I'm talking about and you have not listened to our program before, our podcast before, you can email me at john, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com with any sort of feedback that you may have, and we will get it on the air. So this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but enjoy, Ricky. Uh, Attend that workshop if you can. I know it's going to be out of sight. Enjoy, Ricky. Okay, everybody. So we are back again with Ricky 
are. When I say again, we, well, we've had Ricky on the podcast in the past. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and give you the other episodes that Ricky has been on in the past. The first one, it was episode number 79. It is called Ricky R. They, I did what they told me to do in Alcoholics Anonymous. And then the second one we did was episode number 84. It's called Ricky R. Steps 3 through 12 in Alcoholics Anonymous. If you want to go back and listen to more of Ricky, and who would not want to go back and listen to more of Ricky? So go ahead and look that up. (laughs) All right, Ricky. So I'm going to go ahead and have you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live, please. All right, John. I'm Ricky. I'm an alcoholic, sober since August 20th, 1990, and I live in Jacksonville, Texas. So last time Ricky and I got together, we were talking about the article that he has written and the workshops that he does and the uh, uh, how he sponsors people and how he t- trains others to take people through the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and this particular blog is on our website, SoberSpeak.com, and it's called How to Take Someone Through the Steps. And I will go ahead and include a link to this uh, article in the show notes, so you can just click on it in there if you would like. But last time we got together, we kind of talked about Oh, some of the history of sponsorship. Uh, We talked about... mm, um, the, oh gosh, what did we talk about last time, Ricky? Do you remember? <laughs> Various uh, ways, the message being garbled. Uh, yeah. The objective of sponsorships, uh, how it's been diluted through the years and all that sort of stuff. And, and you can go back and listen to that. I'm going to release these two back to back. So you can go back and listen to the previous episode, part one of this, part one of our time together, um, if you need to go do that. But it doesn't preclude you from actually listening to this. And I want to go ahead and talk about something else here on the beginning of it also, and that is that you actually have a a workshop coming up. Am, Am I right about that? Yes. Where is that workshop going to be? It's going to be in Jacksonville, Texas, and that'll be April the 22nd, and it will also be on Zoom. It's in Jackson, Mississippi, is that what you said? No, Jacksonville. Oh, ja- Jacksonville. Okay, gotcha. And it's going to be on Zoom as well. Uh-huh. Okay. And where where will they, do we know where they'll be able to find that information yet if they wanted to go online to find it? Like the Zoom ID and all that kind of uh, stuff? No, I mean, I can tell you the Zoom ID and password. Okay, yeah, go ahead and just say that right now. The Zoom ID is... Five oh six four oh four six six zero. And the password is six ten. 1935. Okay. And maybe you can get that out to me in a, a flyer form, like electronic form. Uh, and I'll try to distribute that before the actual okay. Uh, workshop. Okay. Okay. All right. So you don't have to be in Jacksonville in order to attend. You can attend via Zoom. And what time does it go until? Did you say that already? It's going to be from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then we'll have a lunch break at noon. Okay. All right. So like I said, last time we talked about a lot of stuff. But what you'll do actually in this workshop is um, 
You'll do some of the history, kind of a more extended version than what we had last time. And then what we're going to do today is we're going to get into what we did not get into last time was kind of the the meat of this. Uh, and what I mean by the meat of it is what you actually do, some of the tactical stuff or technical stuff, however you want to put that, how you train others to take people through the steps. So where do you want to start with that, Ricky? I guess right at the beginning was step one. Uh, the the very first meeting with with the new guy. Okay, and so let's just say that you're sitting down. I'm a new guy. You're talking to me. What are you going to tell me about the first step right off the bat? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is is uh, I'm going to have you bring your book if you have one or supply you with one, and we're going to go to the top of page forty four. And on forty four. It says, if when you honestly want to, you find you can't quit entirely, that's the mental obsession. Or if when drinking, you have little control over how much you drink, that's the physical allergy. It says you may be alcoholic. Now, I know if you answer no to both of those, no, you can't quit entirely, and no, you have little control. You don't have any control over the amount you drink once you start. I know you have alcoholism. Now, you don't know you do, but I know you do just by how you answered those questions. So then what I'm going to do is go to the doctor's opinion, and we're going we're gonna to talk about what Dr. Silkworth said, where he says on, it's on fourth edition, I think, Roman numeral 28. And he says that we believe and so suggested – a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. And we talk about what an allergy is. An allergy is just an abnormal reaction to a substance harmless to most people. And the physical allergy with alcoholism is that when I pour alcohol in, it creates this craving beyond my control to where, and people laugh at this, but I would say I accidentally got drunk a lot. Because right. that's what happened. You know, I didn't set out to go get drunk every time. You know, and Dr. Silkware talks about it later. You know, we want a few drinks to get that ease and comfort. Get that where we feel normal. It gave me that normal feeling with a few drinks. But I have this physical allergy. When I pour it in, I crave more. And I end up drunk and may go to jail. May You know, I, I end up with the, as Dr. Silkware says, the well-known stages of a spree. Emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to do it again. So, and, and you may, by the way, if you're listening to this, you may hear uh, Ricky and I, uh, our, the paper, they may hear it, they may not hear it. But uh, what we're doing is we are flipping through this article, right? It's very spelled out. Uh, those questions uh, that he asks every new alcoholic on the front end, or new prospect, I should say, uh, on the front end are in there, what page number it is. And then there's a big, uh, the next page is called the alcoholic allergy, and it's all talking about the doctor doctor's opinion. Um, and then I would assume then next you go to, and I'm just following along with the guide here, the alcoholic mental obsession. Am I right? Yeah. Now, now I need to know if you're the guy I'm working with, mm -hmm. I need to know that, that you understand that physical allergy once we've gone through the doctor's opinion. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through the whole book and give you every example. You know, when the book was written, it was designed to be mailed out where you could go to the post office and get the big book 
and hopefully follow the instructions and recover from alcoholism. So Bill had to be very redundant. You know, so many things repeated over and over. But I know if you've got it, if if you understand the allergy and that makes sense to you, then we can move on. We don't need to spend any more time on the allergy. We next go to the mental obsession. And and the obsession is not uh, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, uh, as you hear in Alcoholics Anonymous. But on page 24, it says, the fact that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, they've lost the power of choice. I don't have the choice of whether I'm going to drink or not. You'll never hear me say in a meeting, I choose not to drink. Mm. I've lost that, you know. I have a relationship with God that that's how that's taken care of. I live in a home full of booze. My wife drinks, and uh, which is a miracle to me that I never think about it. But it's the relationship I have with God. It's not a choice I make. I don't get up and say, well, I'm not going to drink her booze today. <laughs> you know, that's it's not a part of my life. It's been removed. You know, it doesn't exist. You've been placed in a position of neutrality. Yes. And so uh, this mental obsession that talks about on page 34 says this is a baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. You know, when I talked about in the earlier episode about experience, strength, and hope, now I'm going to share my experience with this new guy about how this relates to me. And he's probably going to, if he's got what I have, he's going to latch onto that. It's going to make sense to him. But we're going to go through it in the book. And on page 37, it says, whatever the the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can the lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? And so I have this, this physical allergy, and I have this mental obsession. That's alcoholism. And... And step one says, I'm powerless over alcohol. And that doesn't mean I can't drink. That means I'm going to drink if I don't have a solution. Because I'm powerless over alcohol when I'm drinking it because the craving sets in. I'm powerless over alcohol when I'm not drinking because my mind will tell me it's okay to have a drink. And then it says that our lives have become unmanageable. And John, you know, I've, I've... I've listened to people talk about the unmanageability of alcoholism, and uh, I've come to the conclusion it has nothing to do with finances, uh, whether I'm divorced or been divorced 20 times or uh, how many times I've been to jail, none of that stuff. It's right in the middle of page 52. We call it the bedevilments. And it says we were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional nature. We were prey to misery and depression. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy, and it goes on and on. Uh, That's what every alcoholic has Mm -hmm. when they get to Alcoholics Anonymous, whether they drove up to the meeting in a Rolls Royce or they pedaled a bicycle there. Mm -hmm. That's what we all have in common. That's the unmanageability. I like that. So I've never heard it put that way before. And I want to go ahead and repeat that for people who are listening. Uh, It says, and and that's once again, as part of this guide, and it says unmanageability, and it has some discussion about it, but then it puts the quote in here on page 52. 
a man- manageability basically is, quote, we were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy, and we couldn't seem to be a real help to other people. That is a great definition of manageability. unmanageability, I agree. So, some people call that untreated alcoholism also. Yeah. I can have that 32 years sober yeah. if I quit doing this. True. I can have those same emotions you know, out of whack. You know. Very true. Yeah, yeah, like a dry drunk. Right. For sure. Okay, so we had uh, we just covered the alcoholic mental obsession. We covered a manageability, and then you go into the actual steps. So, talk to me about the steps and what you walk people through to kind of show them how to walk other people through the steps. Okay, well, that is step one. That you know, I'm powerless over alcohol, which is the allergy and the obsession, and my life had become unmanageable. You know. Funny thing, that unmanageability we talked about, alcohol treated that for a long time. That's also my spiritual malady. Alcohol treated my spiritual malady. So it wasn't the cause of what was wrong with me. It was a treatment for what was wrong with me. And it worked for a long time until it wouldn't treat it anymore. Right. And that's when we start drinking for oblivion. We right. won't treat it anymore. So anyway, if they understand step one, we're going to step two, as it came to believe. And I I just want to go ahead and and say this more, and this is really more about your guide. And and I guess this is very obvious to people, but I just want to state it. What you're doing here is you're taking this, the big book, you know, including the forward and the doctor's opinion and the 164 pages, and you're basically taking out some very pertinent information regarding specific steps. And you're telling people, okay, if you want to take somebody through step one or step two or step three, go to this page, read this together with the sponsee, make sure that you're on the same page and they understand that. And you have done that step and you can move on to the next step and then you continue to practice them, right? It's not like it's just a one and done, but you're going through the steps. and, And that's what I love because for a lot of people, as you know, the big book can be a little bit uh, daunting. Uh, you know, where do I find this information? What am I trying to do here? And so you are kind of a simplifying. This is kind of like a cheat sheet, if you will, for mm-hmm. the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You're not telling people not to read the big book, but you're saying, hey, this is a way to get started, right? Don't overthink it. All you need are these pages and these paragraphs right here. Right. This this is as simple as I could boil it down now. You know, you may, you may need to uh, get a little deeper with some people, you know, if they don't understand this allergy, you know, mm-hmm. if they don't understand the unmanageability or the, the obsession, you know, I may have to go into it uh, a little deeper, you know, with them. But this is just the bare bones, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, now that I think of it, the, so when I sponsor people, I, you know, back in the beginning, 
with my sponsor and Joe and Charlie, between the two of them, I marked up particular pieces in the big book. And I said, oh, this is step one, or this is step two, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And for me, those were things that rang true. And I will take people to those. I said, hey, listen, this is what it's saying here. Are you on board with me? Do you understand that? Good. We can move on. Right. And so you, though, have actually... Uh, kind of memorialized it uh, through this writing uh, in some real specific uh, 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 points in the big book that you uh, lead people to, and and I actually I, I love it. I, I think I think it's a great Kickstarter, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and people can you know uh, pass it on to others that way. So right. All right. So now we're on to step two, right? Right. And step two says came to believe that. Not in, but came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And, you know, nothing can be done as powerful as Alcoholics Anonymous is. That physical allergy I have, mm-hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous can do nothing about that. So my problem is the insanity, the obsession. And that condem- condemns me to drink when I'm sober. So if I'm not restored to sanity, I will always drink again. And that sets off the physical craving and active alcoholism. And on page 45, it says, lack of power was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how are we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. The deal between my ears. Mm-hmm. Centers in the mind. Right. That's that's what we're looking at here that needs to be solved. And, you know, I discovered this. I love Joe and Charlie. I love anything I can get about the big book. I've listened to so many big book studies, but I read the book every day, mm-hmm. at least two pages. If I read two pages a day, I'm going to read the big book four times a year. And so... You know, if you do that, you may find some hidden gem that it's like, oh, I never, never saw this. You know, so here's what I what I saw. No one had told me this. I just happened to realize it because we kept having repeated meetings on we agnostics, and I thought we agnostics was a chapter that you went into and you developed a new concept for God, but actually, anytime it talks about choosing your own concept of God is talking to the atheist or the agnostic Mm -hmm. where I live seldom ever. Do you ever have someone that doesn't believe in God? Right. So, uh, it never tells a believer to choose your own concept. Matter of fact, it says the concept you have, no matter how inadequate, that's good enough to make the beginning. Right. What I realized after the first paragraph on page 44, the whole rest of the chapter is trying to convince the alcoholic that's atheist or agnostic to either believe in God or be willing to believe in God. So if I'm working with you and we get to step two and I say, John, do you believe in God? And you say, yes, we're done. We're going to step three. And we, and we talk about the, uh, we do talk about the, the sanity or the insanity right. and being restored to sanity. And we're on to step three. I mean, that's how simple it is. Right. All right. Let's go to step three then. And step three, it's, uh, I thought that it was turning my will and life over to God. And it's not, it's making a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him. 
And so, and I love it here, like in, in the article that you wrote, right? I mean, first you give the step and then, I mean, you just break it down, uh, uh, saying that in essence, uh, on page 60, where it says we may clear through three pertinent ideas, a, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives, b, that probably no human power could relieve our alcoholism is see that God could and would if he were sought. And then you go into the being convinced. Where are we? That's what my sponsor did with me. Uh, you know, we went through step one and two and we get to how it works. And he said, I need to know if you're convinced of A, B, and C. And, and he read them off. And each time I'd say, yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> and he told me, he said, Okay, you've done the first two steps. And I looked at him like he was a mind reader. And I said, how do you know I've done the first two steps? And he said, read the next sentence. Mm -hmm. And the next sentence says, being convinced we're at step three. See, that's way too simple. (laughs) I think I need something really meaty and complicated here, you know. Yeah, or a white light or something like that that I were able to see. And uh, now I know I'm at step three because I had this mountaintop experience. But it's not that, Uh, not like that at all. I mean, for most people at least. Yeah. Okay, and then you talk about doing the third step prayer on page 63. Yeah, Um, I think it's very, very important, though, to... I don't. I can't see another way to simplify it, uh, and leaving out anything from page sixty through the top of sixty-three. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's very, very important that the alcoholic understands selfishness, selfishness, self-centeredness. On page sixty-one, it's <coughs> excuse me. Page sixty-one, it talks about uh, playing God. Yeah, you know the actor trying to be the director and all that sort of stuff. And on the next page, then it tells us, you know, we have to quit playing God. Right. I, I didn't understand that till someone showed me, mm-hmm. but anyway, so we go through that until we get to the, uh, the third step prayer. And then we, uh, we get on our knees and say the third step prayer together. Now you don't put in here on, on the knees, but I guess, uh, I don't see it written down, but uh, you know, that, yeah, that's, that's traditionally, that's how people do it. But I'm sure yeah. there are people out there who are going to go, do I really need to get on my knees? And you know, I, you do what you want, but exactly. It's you know, not a requirement at all. Right. All right. So then you go. So, and I know after the third step, it says basically to kind of, it's a launching pad into the fourth step. So you get somebody into the fourth step and then you take them through the fact that step three was a decision. They're moving forward. And what else do you want to tell them about the fourth step? I I know there's a whole columns thing in the book and stuff, but I mean, but basically what do you tell somebody? Well, uh, the third step, like I said, it's, it's a decision. And as bad as I need God and want God to overcome alcoholism, I can't have a sufficient relationship with God because I have things within me blocking me from God. It says that on top of page 64. It says, what uh, though our decision was a vital and crucial <laughs> step, it could have little permanent effect unless it once followed by a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. That's why I couldn't stay sober in church. It wasn't their fault. I'd go, you know, offer myself to God and feel great for a few days. Mm -hmm. And it never lasted. And I found out this is why, because I had things blocking me, which are fears, uh, resentments, fears, and harms done to other people. So what I'm doing in step four 
It's just an exercise to try to identify these things that are blocking me from God. So then we go on to, and by the way, all the instructions are in the big book. And, you know, and, and I will say this, we, we do all kinds of uh, um, episodes about the steps and such like that. And I think there are people that actually listen and don't go through the experience of this. You can listen all day long. But like you said on the previous episode, until you have your own experience with this, until you kind of walk through this and get a little, you know, maybe make some mistakes, get bloodied up or, you know, whatever, you, you, you're not going to really understand this, right? It's about the process and following through the process and doing it uh, as thorough and honest as you possibly can. Right. All right. Step five comes next. The one that everybody loves. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one that just scared me to death. Uh and one reason I didn't stay in AA the first time I came. <clears throat> but, yeah, step five, the the guy's going to – he's going to have his four-step done. He's going to – we're going to meet up. I'm going to set a time with him when he does a four-step. We're going to set up when, when to do his fifth step. Hopefully, it's going to be the next day. And we're going to meet up, and he's going to go over everything he's written down with me. And as he does – I'm going to have a pen in my hand, and I'm going to be making out his eight-step list. Mm -hmm. That's what my sponsor did for me. And his eight-step for me and what my eight-step would have been were quite a bit different. And uh, I probably wouldn't have made amends to some of those people that he had me made amends to. (laughs) Now, that is a little bit of a different twist, though. I've never heard that to where the sponsor is actually making the eight step for you while you're going through that mm-hmm. uh that's that's uh yeah, that's a new little twist for me but it's a good idea and then uh once that's done um uh, i have them do exactly what it says on the bottom page 75 you know go home and where you can be quiet for now for an hour take the book down from the shelf go over the first five proposals which mm-hmm. are the first steps mm-hmm. you know make sure i haven't skimped on anything and you know i didn't leave anything out i'm have been very thorough up to this point Mm -hmm. and uh do exactly what it says on on there and then uh in the inventory you know we find out uh on step six that we were selfish dishonest self-seeking frightened and inconsiderate and these are the defects of character that i'm going to ask god to remove Mm mm-hmm and that's the only ones I deal with now. I don't get into the seven deadly sins or the two or three hundred of them you can find by reading other books. They all fall right under these right. every time. And then, uh, as you know, uh, we can't work on our defects. I mean, how do you work on lust? That's just comical to even think about. Right. You know? And so <laughs> – I can't work on my defects. Uh, it, it plainly says we ask God to remove them. And step six and seven are two paragraphs in the big book. I believe that's exactly as long as they should be. It's very simple. I do those. Nothing's going to happen. I say a prayer. I don't think any you know, big uh, bush is going to be on fire or anything else. you know. And then uh, we go to step eight and – I'm going to have the guy make a list of people he, that he's harmed. 
and maybe someone that's not on the inventory that he's harmed, then we're going to get together and we're going to go over his eight-step list, and I'm going to make sure he's got the ones that I've written down on his list. And if he don't, I'll have him add those. (laughs) Then we go to step nine, and uh, I will go over each amends on how to do it, just like my sponsor did with me. And I may give him two or three and put them on an index card and – Go do these two or three and come okay. back. We'll do two or three more. So talk about that a little bit. When you say how to do it, like like give a, I mean, I don't want you to mention names or anything like that, but just give a kind of a specific example of what you would do with somebody when you're having them make amends. Well, we're, we're going to use the big book uh, between page 76 through page 83. It's going to depend, you know, is it money? You know, we pay back money with money. And as my sponsor says, love with love and hate with love. And so, uh, it, you know, they're going to, it's going to fall in somewhere there between page 76 and page 83 on about how to, how to make those amends, you know? And, uh, you know, but tactically speaking, you said you, so you give so you pick somebody off the list, you give them an index card. What do you have put on the index card? Uh, we'll, we'll specifically say, you know, how to go about amends. Like, uh, if, you know, if you got an ex-wife, uh, first of all, don't bring her part up or, mm. or don't ever say I wouldn't have done this. Had you not done that? Uh, and I try to get them to throw the word sorry out of their vocabulary because they probably heard that already. Mm. We go in there and we talk about, uh, I, I was wrong. I regret, you know, and, uh, you know, and I hear a lot that, uh, about amends from speakers and everything about you go ask them, uh, uh, what can I do to make it right? Uh, you won't find that in the big book anywhere. Uh, so what we do, we figure out what would make it right and go do that. And, uh, you know, of course there's a little, little different things there, but it depends on what, you know, what, right. the, what the big, case if we follow case, the right. big book, yeah, but case you're doing by case, it all. But you're doing it all on an index card, and then you're saying, hey, you know, maybe we start with three or four, uh, we come back, we do some more, whatever. But you have that list in front of you, you got the eighth step, and you just yeah. kind of take them case by case with yeah. each, each amends. And he has a list, and I have his list also. Mm-hmm. So... But, God, oh, that kind of keeps them honest. I never really thought about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you put it on like a an Excel spreadsheet? <laughs> <laughs> I just got them, you know, jotted down. But, you know, you're going to say, well, you know, how, how'd the amends go with so-and-so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I haven't done that one. Well, let's, you know, <laughs> let's get going here. I mean, that's that's how I was sponsored, you know. There's... And and by this is not the only way to do this. There's lots of different ways to sponsor. It's just this just seems to be very a right. simple way to do it. And once again, I want to go back to this document again, just in case you're wondering. He has it real specifically in here. When you get to step nine, you you go you use the text from page seventy six to eighty three. Uh, you get an index card for each of them. Uh, when they finish two or three that you give them, give them two or three more. Continue this process until all of them are done. So I mean, it's real specific. All right. right. Okay. Step ten. Step ten. Uh, you know, having done steps one through nine, the problem, which is the insanity, has been removed. We've been restored to sanity. We have recovered from alcoholism. 
And we still might have lots of problems, but we're, we're no longer obsessed by alcohol. We don't think about alcohol as a way to solve the problems, or nor do we need relief through alcohol. And so step 10 is just a simple exercise to keep us in check and keep our spiritual life growing in understanding and effectiveness. And it's actually a continuation of steps four through nine. And, you know, step 10 says continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. That sounds like step four. Mm -hmm. And it says when these crop up, we ask God to remove them at once. That sounds like six and seven. We discuss them with someone immediately. That's step five. And we make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. That's steps eight and nine. And here's the part I didn't get, John, for a long time. It says, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Mm -hmm. I can pray all day long for God to remove my fear. It doesn't seem to go away until I turn my thoughts to someone I can help. Great. And it like evaporates when I do that. I agree. And that's the last thing I think of doing, though. You know, <laughs> right. I usually have to have a sponsor, you know, tell me that. And you have it in big bold letters. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help yeah. on this document, and that makes sense. And if I'm not, if I don't turn my thoughts to helping others, it it's like a circular thing. It comes right back, and I'm right back in the same jam again. I've got resentments, fears, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but helping others is a way to stay out of uh, of those things. And uh, even in step 11, you know, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Uh, it, it There's a nightly review in there. Mm -hmm. And what it does, it asks me, did I have any selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, or fear that I didn't process in step 10? It's basically what it's saying. Mm -hmm, right. It's like a right. end-of-the-day check, you know. Did you let something, did you sweep something under the rug here? And uh, The 10 and 11 uh, inventory get very kind of mixed up. They're all kind of woven together, yeah. you know. And I sent out an article once from the website about step 10, and people were like, no, that's step 11, or it was step 11 and vice versa. But anyway, I know that they get kind of uh, uh, mixed up. But basically, hey, what it comes down to is do inventory, right? <laughs> and right, yeah. just do it on a consistent basis. And it becomes a habit, you know. Right. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it, it in, in asking that, myself these questions you know was i selfish today or dishonest resentful uh and it says were we kind and loving toward all and that sort of thing but it's talking about here to constructively review my day mm. not destructively mm. and if you're new and listen to this i hope you don't have my experience because i would try my hardest when i was new to to be a good person to do the right things right. and all that and maybe I did everything great that day except one little thing. And at the end of the night, I would beat myself up so bad. Yeah. So what I was doing, I was destructively reviewing right. my day. Yeah. I need to learn to look at this objectively, yeah. almost like it's someone else. Yeah. And say, well, okay, because none of us are ever going to be perfect. Right. Very good point. But, I had the same experience, uh, just beating myself up and trying to be. I, I even had a, the experience of doing that with my thought life, not just what I did, like how I should be thinking. 
and I and I got this from some other people that I, um, it's a long story, but I w- I would beat myself up off, uh, over having bad thoughts. And man, that'll really, that'll drive you nuts, right? Because if you were to take a ticker tape of what's coming out of my head on a day to day basis, it's uh, you know, it's 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 not spiritually well all the time. I'll put it that way. Me either. I'm glad I don't walk what I think. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, when it says uh, prayer works, if we have the proper attitude and work at it, well, what would the proper attitude of prayer be? Would it be God help me? Or would it be, God, what can I do to help you or your kids? Right. That seems to be the proper attitude. Right. You know, my my prayer life needs to get me off of me mm. and you on on my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, a funny thing happens when I become more concerned about your sobriety than I am mine. Yeah. I don't have to worry about mine. That's a given. Or, or if I won't. You know, try to help my wife have a better day. Uh, I feel great, and and she's an even better wife when I do things for her. I it's absolutely it. amazing. I hear that. I hear you, brother. But there's some great suggestions about prayer on pages 86 and 87. And, uh, you know, the deal in prayer is not about trying to get God to make any external changes for me. You know, uh, God, help me get this job or any of this sort of stuff, you know. What I do, I go apply for the job, and I get busy helping someone else. Right. And God takes care of the results, right. you know. Right, uh, As the book says on page 68, we're in the world to play the role he assigns. Hmm. And uh, and that role he's assigned me, the from what I read in the big book, is about trying to help anyone but Ricky. Right. <laughs> I hear that, man. If I could just remember that 24 hours a day, I'd be good. If I could just remember for 12 hours out of the day, I'd be uh, really happy. All right. So finally, least but not least, we have step 12 here. The whole chapter of working with the others is, uh, and like you said at the beginning here, working with others is not an optional step we do for extra credit. That's right. And if we're not working with others, we're not working step 12. Uh, pouring coffee and showing up to op- unlock the door that makes 12 step work possible <clears throat> but that's not the 12th step it, it's a whole it's so important there's a whole chapter written on it mm. bill wanted everyone that got a big book to be a sponsor he wanted them to go help uh, someone else and another reason for for me trying to put this deal together right here the chapter working with others is mainly about 12 stepping someone. And there's, there's really not hardly anything on the steps. You know, it says, uh, as far as the steps go, having had the experience yourself, you can give him much practical advice. Mm-hmm. Talk about the steps, but it never does say, okay, you do this, you do this, you do this as far as the steps go right. in working with others. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, that's the, the main objective of this sponsorship is I want to get that new guy through the steps and have him doing this same thing with someone else, right. you know. Well, Ricky, this has been fun. Anything else you want to say about this uh, article? 
uh, or the work that you're doing. Um, I mean, is, do you want to put a bow on this or do you, do you just want to end it? What, what else do you want to say here? You know, the one thing that comes to mind, uh, you know, we all have problems, uh, but it seems to me, and I'm sure you'll agree, the person who is working with alcoholics, they seem to have a lot less problems. And really what the truth is, they probably have just as many problems, but those problems aren't as devastating to me if I'm trying to help someone else. I'll tell you something I found in the big book right quick, too. Uh, I've said this for a long time. I said, you can take you two highlighters, take a green highlighter and a pink highlighter. And everywhere you find in the big book where it mentions anything about helping yourself, highlight it with green. (laughs) There's not very many, I can tell you that. (laughs) Then take a pink highlighter and go through there and highlight anywhere where it indicates, talks about, or implies helping anyone other than yourself, you'll have a lot less pink ink when you get through. (laughs) Uh, So far, I have found 153 references up to page 164 about helping others. Well put. Well put, Ricky. Oh, so this has been really cool. Um, I encourage everyone to go uh, look at this article uh, uh, on the website. Uh, And uh, in fact, uh, the lovely Mrs. M made it into a PDF that can be printed out. I don't even know if you know that. They can print it out uh, and they can take it to, you know, uh, wherever they're going and uh, walk with the new man or woman by themselves uh, and use that as, and I wouldn't be. I actually use it myself now because I may forget some of this stuff that I need to tell them. So I just, I just go through it, right. at, you know, as I'm going through with a new guy. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. All right, my friend, I'm going to read from page 164 from the big book. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and Ricky are, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, once again, my friend, thank you for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure.